Coming up, we'll ask and answer this question. Is your boss really toxic or are you just being a bit of a baby? I'm going to tell you how to find out and then what to do about it when you know. Let's go. Is your boss toxic? Is your workplace toxic? We can also apply that question to our moments together here as we kick off today. Is your boss toxic? I mean, this this is uh, it's everywhere on the search engines, people searching. How do I deal with a toxic boss, a toxic company, toxic teammate, toxic this, toxic that, toxic everywhere? And, you know, words matter because there's a lot of emotion that's a, that's attached to a word. And so I think we have a we have we have real situations where people are in a toxic environment, but there's also times where what we think is a toxic environment is not toxic. It might be a difficult moment or difficult situation that a leader is dealing with. But it's not toxic. They aren't toxic. And I think the focus on this word today and this feeling around it is to make sure that we aren't making a situation worse than it actually is. And gosh, we can do that as humans, can't we? If we get something completely um, misunderstood in the way we receive it, and it really hurts and it's got a lot of emotion to it, that thing can just stew and stew and stew and stew, and it's kind of like fermenting. The, the, The secret to alcohol is the fermentation process. In other words... It just sits, it sits and sits and sits, and then it gets alcoholic, and there's the punch, right? And so I think the same is true if we if we get in our minds that something that has happened to us, said to us, done to us, or not done for us is somehow toxic, and, then it, and we don't get it out of our system, we don't get clarity on it, we don't confront it, then all of a sudden it just builds and builds and builds in our head, and then it seeps down to our heart, and then... What we thought was toxic, but wasn't toxic, can become toxic to us. And there's the great irony. So, let's just define simply today some clear definitions of what toxic behavior is, because that'll help. So what can make a boss and thus a culture and a team toxic? Well, first, uh, a a, a leader with zero integrity. And a company with little to no integrity. Inconsistent as it relates to, I say this, but I do this. That, to me, is an integrity issue. And then lying. Boldface deceit. That's toxic. And then manipulation by confrontation and creating confrontation. A lot of leaders will seek to solve a problem by creating conflict that then takes everybody out and there's collateral damage, but they don't care because they're afraid or unwilling to dig in, get their hands dirty and deal with what can be healthy conflict, but they don't do it that way. So if you look at no integrity, I define no integrity those three ways. Very inconsistent. I say this, I do this, right? 
and then, of course, out and out line, and then intentional conflict creation to solve issues by simply taking people out. Second characteristic that I believe you can say is toxic is abusive behavior. Uh, this would be a true definition of bullying, mind games, you know, um, yelling, screaming, embarrassing people, humiliation. Uh, and certainly, of course, you could add physical and sexual harm uh, to this as well. So that's abusive. And then I think the third characteristic uh, is narcissism. And, you know, the classic definition of narcissism is simply no awareness of others. Everything revolves around them. So the only awareness they have of others is when the others enter into their orb and into their agenda. So it's like, oh, I, that's all I care about is this. And the extent that I see you or hear you is if I feel like you're somehow threatening what I need, what I want. That would be uh, narcissism. So no integrity, abusive behavior, and narcissistic thinking. By the way, all three of these, and I extrapolated them just to give you some specific examples, but many times all three of these are interconnected. So let's look at the flip side. So those three characteristics and actions would be toxic. In other words, they infect everybody around them. And, and and it's poisonous. It can burn you, right? Okay, let's look at let's look at the flip side of things that I think get called toxic. That, to be honest with you, I don't think are toxic. Okay, um, they, because leaders can make us uncomfortable, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily harmful. That would be the contrast. I'll give you an example: intensity. So you got a boss who maybe have real intense personality or moments of intensity. And I'm not in any way excusing yelling. So I'm not talking about yelling here. I just mean intensity. Uh, their posture, their tone uh, could sometimes be biting uh, and absolutely, absolutely make you uncomfortable. Um, but I don't think it's toxic behavior. I think they're in a place where they may be frustrated, squeezed in a moment. And so they're, they're acting out. Another example is a boss who's very aloof. Uh, there could be a variety of reasons here. Uh, certainly could be their default personality if they are uh, certainly an introvert. But then also if they've got trust issues, maybe below them with some of the team they're leading, maybe above them. And again, I could I could do an hour on all the reasons why a boss would look aloof. And again, I'm using the word aloof. This is also detached. You know, what are they thinking? It's like a poker player. You never get a sense. They just they're disconnected from the team. It's not toxic. Uh, disorganized. You could have some leaders that are absolute disasters. You know, they're they're just always seat of the pants. Everything's a fire. Um, but that's not toxic. They're just disorganized, and they're not intentional and another would be poor communication and this one i think gets translated as toxic a lot and it's just not they're just not good at communicating they either don't have any skill or they've got the skill but they don't have good rhythms they've not seen it modeled they've not been taught how to do it they're not a good listener they just are waiting for the next thing to say and again that can be absolutely off-putting and make you feel uncomfortable but doesn't mean it's toxic so you got to understand this your leaders at work are just people like you Maybe they haven't been led well. 
They haven't seen it modeled properly. Maybe, maybe they're stressed. Maybe they are squeezed from all different directions. And who among us acts really balanced and healthy when we're stressed? And I think here's the warning. I think sometimes we, me included, hold our leaders to standards that I don't think we would want to be held to if we were in a stressful situation or we weren't fully equipped. So what do you do about it? If you have the maturity to go, wait a second, it's not toxic, it's difficult. What do I do? I'm going to tell you next. Don't move. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman Show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman. BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. Hey, I want to help people close the gap from where they are to where they want to be. And obviously, we have a professional focus on this show and in this dialogue with you. But the professional growth, you close that gap professionally, you're going to close it financially and got a good chance of closing it relationally as well because we just spend so much time at work and to see purpose and meaning and fulfillment and just to be able to experience some good old-fashioned Uh, healthy joy in our work is going to rub off in every area of our life. So uh, I want to help people, uh, as many people as possible. So if this show is helping you, would you consider helping us by spreading the word? You are the greatest marketing strategy of all time, word of mouth. So if you are watching on YouTube, uh, would you like the video or videos that you watch and would you subscribe? And if you're listening uh, on your favorite podcast app, would you follow us and give us a five-star review? I would be so grateful and let, let me mention, whether you're YouTube or podcast, if a particular episode touches you, challenges you in a good way, and you think someone in your life needs to see it or listen to it, would you share? That would be awesome. So we talked about how to know, is your boss toxic or are you just a little sensitive? Oh, oh, oh. Now, before I get into this, because I was talking about how to tell the difference between truly toxic behavior and then problematic or difficult behavior i i have a confession there have been multiple times in my professional career where i disagreed with the leader and their decision and how it affected me and maybe the overall team and more so of this than the first scenario i've had my feelings hurt by a leader 
Have you? I have. And, and it's very, it's very, very interesting. Especially if you express that and it's met with, okay, all right, and it keeps happening. Or even worse, it's never addressed at all and it's water under the bridge for them. Gosh, this can get toxic for you. So here's what I'm saying in full confession mode. In seasons of life where I've had that happen to me and I didn't channel it in a healthy way to get it out, confront it in a respectful way, and hopefully it's addressed. Or if I cannot control it and I don't see it changing and I just have to say, you know what, I still got to keep moving forward. If I don't do that, it gets into a festering open, nasty wound. And so I have to watch myself because I'm the type of person that if I feel wronged, um, I don't move on very quickly if I feel like that person doesn't acknowledge whether they meant to or not that they did. I'm just telling you. So I want to point this out, that when this happens, you still have to decide, wait a second, am I still going to show up? So what happens when you feel you've been wronged or you've been hurt, overlooked, rejected, and it really stings and it hurts, and yet you realize, I'm still in a really good situation. I'm really grateful for the for the gig, for the work, for the pay, for the culture. Can that all coexist? And I think the answer is yes for a mature woman and a mature man who go, you know what? I don't like it. There's a lot of things I don't like. This, to this day, has never really been resolved, but I cannot control it. I cannot control what a leader does or how the leader apologizes or acknowledges. I cannot control it. I cannot control my leader's behavior. And yet, can I walk forward, grow through it, heal from it, and stay? Ooh, this is tough. All right? So... From that personal story, and again, I'm not getting into specifics, but from those moments, I have learned something that I want to encourage you. If you are in a situation where it is difficult, it is problematic, but it's not toxic, and you don't want to leave, and you probably shouldn't leave, just because you're better where you are than maybe what is available to you now, or you're on that rung of the ladder and there's a reason why you need to be there in order to step to the road. So there is not an, it's not a, I got to escape now. All right. So what do you do? First, give your leader some grace. Number one, they're human, which means they're not perfect. It means they're dealing with stuff. Um, they may have a blind spot. They may know what's going on, but they don't feel like they're in a place where they can acknowledge it. And folks, that means they're hurting, just like you've been able to, to, to identify times in your life where you were hurting and you weren't healthy enough to handle it the right way. And so in this moment, 
if you realize they're not a bad person, they're just exhibiting maybe some bad behavior, or it, it may just be a difference of opinion. And you go, this is not good leadership. It's bad leadership, but they may think it's good leadership. And so what we're realizing here in this scenario that I'm laying out for you, they're not a bad person. And if you can, through some maturity here and real perspective, step out of the pain, out of the frustration long enough to look at it and go, all right, I don't like this. I don't like how this happened, but they're not a bad person. If you can acknowledge that, you go, all right. Then I think you're able to get to the next step, which is of awareness, which is they're not a bad person. And I actually think they are for me. Now, I'm going to tell you, (laughs) this doesn't come easy because so many of us, and I have been so guilty of this before, we get so stuck on our feelings based on the thing we don't agree with or we don't like. So we can't ever get to the point where we go, you know what? They're not a bad person. And and if we can't get there, then it's very hard to say, well, I think they're for me. Despite what they've done, and nothing changes, by the way, about your principles and what you feel and your values and your feelings, none of that necessarily changes. And we're not saying, you know, sweep it under under the rug here. What we are saying is I've got to have proper perspective, and that comes from understanding they're not a bad person. And they're still for me. So that allows me then to actually do what I'm telling you to do, which is give them some grace. Give them some grace. All right, you know what? What's done is done. What can I control? And the only thing we can control in this situation is our attitude and our effort. And my attitude is going to get better based on how much grace I give. Second, be patient. Be patient. This situation could very well work itself out based on your grace, based on your patience. By the way, you cannot be patient with your leader if you don't give them grace. Okay, So I want to give them some grace, and now I've got to be patient. Will this get better? Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But too many people are making quick decisions that end up harming their professional and financial potential or delay them for years, all because they can't get to this place of grace and patience with your leader. See if it gets better. Or see if you get better at interacting with them. Wow! Alex, I'm asking people to bite off a lot right now. Because if it doesn't get better, meaning they don't get better because you can't control it, can you get better and still thrive? means you lower your expectations for them, which means your feelings get a little bit more protected. So why this matters? If you're not careful, your feelings could drive you out of a really good situation, a rung on the ladder that you need to stay on in order to get where you ultimately want to go. It may rob you of an opportunity to grow through something that ends up getting better and changes your life. So, try leading up with grace and patience. 
All right, it's time to coach the people up. Let's go to Lansing, Michigan. Paul is on the line there. Paul, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. How can I help? Hello, Paul. Well, let me see if I hit the button properly. Uh, guys, you're going to have to assist me. I must have hit it twice. little technical thing there I did. I'm hitting. There we go. Paul, I apologize. I messed up the buttons, but I think you're with us now. What's going on? That's all right. Hi, Ken. Thank you for taking my call. And uh, I've been a big fan of your voice, uh, even going back to the Entree Leadership Podcast days, and appreciate the, the voice you have about the job market. Well, so, thank you, Paul. Um, you're, you're very, very welcome. Um, just a, a, a quick question here. I, I took a job about seven, eight months ago, um, and uh, it uh, looked good on paper, had uh, combined a couple of uh, skills that I have in communications and event planning work, and the pay was... Um, as good as I've ever received uh, in my um, working career um, and uh, took the job. Um, but what I have found in that seven to eight months is while the pay is great, I am about as miserable as I have ever oh, been in a no. work environment. Oh, man. What's, so, co- what's happening? Yeah, well, I, it, it's a combination of a couple things, and I appreciate your word earlier about toxic culture because I would say it's borderline toxic, but mm-hmm. not to the level that you had described. Um, uh, the the work culture is very um, uh, it, it's driven by a, a single leader at the top, and all decisions are made there. And this is a about a seven hundred person organization, but all decisions flow through one entity, uh, one person. And so everything is, uh, so there's not a lot of empowerment, not a lot of uh, potential for growth. It's, it's a lot of, uh, you know, do this and, uh, and get this approved and and wait until it it does. So as I've gone through the last seven or eight months, it's, um, that kind of environment, obviously I found to be very disempowering, but then as I look at it, the work, you know, I mean, I can do the tasks that are being asked of me. That's not the problem, but okay, I find myself absolutely bored and, and to yeah. the, you know, it doesn't appear that I'm making a difference. And so it's, uh, you know, having a real impact. And my question for you today is, um, what do I do? Yeah. Well, I think you're in an organization where you have a lid that is put on you and they don't even see it that way. I think that when you've got a, uh, and I mean this in the most, well, I don't need to qualify this. I think what you've got here, and this is a uh, um, this is an archetype, but I think you have a control mm-hmm. freak at the top, mm-hmm. and control freaks rarely realize that they're control freaks. And the leader who is a control freak is a leader who is terrified. There is fear driving the control freak leader. But here's what's interesting. The reason that most control freak leaders never see their leadership style as a control freak is because it is the fear that drives their control, and they actually most times create an environment that they control. And so there's nothing for them to be afraid of, and so they don't even realize that they're afraid, if that makes any sense at all. It does, it does. So it is my opinion that it is impossible for a control freak fear-based leader to change without those closest to that leader confronting them and i mean confronting them to where it's almost an intervention Mm -hmm. because here's the other reason why i'm about ready to give I'm, i'm doing a leadership lesson here unintentionally because you know why it's 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 almost impossible for that to happen 
that the people closest to the leader do an intervention? Well, they're afraid themselves. Yes. Yes. But you know why they're afraid? Because the leader hmm. chose them for their fear. The leader, the hmm. control freak leader, puts people around them that are yes men and yes women, and they will not challenge the leader. They are terrified themselves, and and what happens is their fear gets rewarded, and it actually gets twisted and spun up as loyalty, and it's not its weakness. So, having said that, um, it's not going to change, and your boredom will turn into burnout. Mm-hmm. Because it's weird. I don't think most people think of boredom as a symptom uh, I mean, excuse me, as a source of burnout, but it is because the human spirit longs to be challenged to make progress. Would you agree with this? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Both you're already are terribly draining. Yeah. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. drained. You're drained. Not because you're exhausted. You're, you're, you're drained because you're bored out of your skull and you're like, I can't believe how long this day takes. True. True, absolutely. You've read the mail. Yep. So, it's not going to get better. It's just not. It's not going to get better. And so, I think at this point, what we do is we say, "All right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get my mindset ready for the climb." You have hit a lid, and the moment you hit a lid, we've got to acknowledge it. But it does not mean that we bring a sledgehammer to work the next day and start, you know trying to bust through the ceiling because it's not going to change. Your protest, your bad attitude, not going to help anything. So what you do is you go, all right, What now that I know what it's like to have a lid on me in an organization that's led by a control freak, what do I see as the characteristics and things that now I go, I've been in an organization that's led by a control freak, and that means it's fear mm-hmm. from the top all the way to the bottom. And so now I know what I'm looking for. And so I know what the opposite is. And so when you've got a leader that bottlenecks everything like you do in your organization, you got to go, okay, I'm looking for an organization that's very collaborative in spirit, right? Uh, where, yeah. where I see employees talk about their autonomy and, and how they're able to make decisions, as you use the word empowerment. So as we're now looking for something else, we go, okay, I've got to be in a place that the characteristics and the culture and the way people talk about it uh, I see what it is. It isn't bottleneck. We're not hearing words like that. We're not hearing control. We're not hearing fear. We're hearing the exact opposite, and that's what you're looking for. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But, Absolutely. But stay put. Stay put, and your attitude now to deal with this boredom and not get burned out is, well, I'm sitting around playing tiddlywinks and you know trying to figure out what to do. Guess what I'm doing with that time? I'm doing research. If they're not going to challenge mm-hmm. me, and they're going to treat me like a pawn, well, then I'm going to use that time to not vetch and worry and stress and try to fix it. I'm looking for that opportunity to find a way out. I'm in a jail, and I'm digging out. And I think that's the mindset. And then you'll you'll find that the days will move a lot quicker, and I think opportunities will present themselves sooner. That's what I think. I appreciate that very much, Ken. Thank you. You didn't need my permission, but I think you need my nudge, and I'm giving you the nudge. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. And I think, again, that's a really powerful lesson for a lot of people that are listening right now. 
and you're really frustrated and you're trying to figure out why, and I'm going to tell you why. When you have control freaks that run organizations, I don't care how big they are, you must understand that the control freak is controlling because they're fearful. And they don't know they're fearful because they've created an environment where they've removed all of the things that would make them afraid. And again, I, I got to say this one more time. Control freaks surround themselves by fearful people who just end up being yes women and yes men. And therefore, the opportunity for true confrontation and to say, we got to have an intervention, it never happens because control is currency. So you got to understand that. You're not going to change it. The only thing you can change is changing your zip code, your location. And, and I'm just telling you, I've seen it. I've coached a lot of people in it. And so if you're in that environment, the only empowerment that you will get is when you say, you know what? It's time for me to move on. I don't thrive in an organization like this. And I'm being stifled. My creativity, my autonomy. And see, we have to understand this. This isn't doesn't make them an evil or bad leader or bad organization. It just that's the way they're wired and that's the way they like to lead. But what those leaders don't understand inherently, because they're so focused on controlling everything, is that individuals, human beings, thrive when they are allowed to be creative when they are allowed to act with autonomy. It doesn't remove the need for leadership. In fact, it makes leadership more effective when you create an environment that way. So there's my two cents on that. It's time to leave. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.